We're in Yavamos Nun Gimel Oman Aleph 53A1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. We're really in the middle of a discussion, uh, and essentially we are discussing the following case. The case is where a person, we have uh, Ruvain and Rachel, their brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and Ruvain does Chalitza uh, with Rachel. They do Chalitza. And then afterwards, they do uh, Mimer. After they do Chalitza, then they want, uh, they do a, will be viewed as a regular engagement. Uh, so for them to get engaged after they do Chalitza would be a negative commandment, be an ordinary negative commandment. And according to the way we follow, according to the Chachamim, that would actually be recognized as a legal marriage. It's forbidden, but it would be recognized as a legal marriage. However, there is the following dispute. What happens if it's not just that they want to get married, their intention is to get married through a regular way of getting married, uh, but what happens if they have in mind that their marriage should be the form of Yibam? It should really be done through Maimar. This is the rabbinic form of Yibam. It's not just a regular engagement as if they're getting married, but this is like Yibam. And to that, Rebbe says, then even the Chachamun would agree that that wouldn't work. You already did Chalitza. Everything's done. We're no longer in a situation of Yibam. And as such, Rebbe says uh, that, uh, that that it would not be viewed as a legal marriage, even according to the Chachamim. However, the majority against Rebbe, they argue, they are viewed as the Rabbanan, they argue and they say that, no, even in that case, it would be recognized as a legal marriage. It's forbidden, but even in that case, it would be recognized as a legal marriage. And there are six different explanations of Gemara as to what exactly are they arguing about. And we already went through three of them. And so now we will go through uh, three new answers that are found in the Gemara. So the Gemara says as follows. Answer really, answer number four. We'll do four, five, and six. Answer number four. Rav Shravya Amr. Shravya says, what are they arguing about? Bechalitza kshera di amr Everybody agrees, Rebbe and the majority and the Rabbana, they both agree that if you say after you do Chalitza that you want to get married through Zikas Yivmin, through the Zika, through the connection of the Zika, which which, uh, was broken through the Chalitza, which took place, everybody agrees that if you do a normal Chalitza, that that it wouldn't work. Everybody would agree that that doesn't work because you you broke the Zika already through, through doing Chalitza. What do they argue about? Here they argue about Chalitza Psula. Chalitza Psula is a concept that we've had in the past. Chalitza Psula is essentially, to make things simple, a Chalitza that is done when you're not allowed to do Yibam. And as such, it's it's a weaker form of Chalitza because you don't have that option of doing Yibam. It's a, it's a, it's a deficient Chalitza and it might not accomplish everything. So, Mar Savar Chalitza Psula Poteres, Umar Savar Chalitza Psula and Poteres. And essentially, what they are arguing about is if you do Chalitza Psula, if you do this weaker form of Chalitza, it's really a weaker form of Chalitza, so then is there still some sort of connection to say that there's the Zika there that if, I, if they were to attempt to then do mimer and say that this is through the zika, that there is still some zika there to say that it, that it is viewed as uh, a legal marriage. Rebbe says uh, that no, there is no room for that. One, even by a chalitza psula, it gets rid of the zika entirely, uh, and you don't have the ability 
to still connect through the Zika, the Chachamim, the majority argue, and they say that no, that uh, you would be able, it would be viewed as a legal marriage. It's forbidden once you do Chalitza, but it would be viewed as a legal marriage because you did a Chalitza Pesula. It was, it was a deficient, more of a deficient type of a Chalitza. Answer number five is by Rav Ashi, and it's a very interesting answer. Rav Ashi Amar. No, he says, no, He says that, first of all, when it comes to Chalitza Psula, with regards to the previous answer, he says, when it comes to Chalitza Psula, if a person did a a uh, deficient Chalitza, everybody, he says, uh, would agree uh, that it would still be some lingering Zika, and it would, in fact, work. Even Rebbe would agree that it would, in fact, work to... Uh, then afterwards, do Maimar through the Zika, to, to get married or to get engaged through the Zika. It'd be forbidden, but it, it would actually work. What are they arguing about here? The Hacha, fascinating idea. The case is as follows. Is it possible? Does Chalitza work if, let's say, I say it as follows for Chalitza? I say that we're going to do the act of chalitza. It's very interesting. On the condition that, let's say, he says, you, my sister-in-law gives me $1,000. Um, and is a person allowed to make such a condition? Um, if the condition is not fulfilled, does it mean that the chalitza didn't work? Well, what would happen in a regular, in a different type of a case? So the truth is that when it comes to an engagement or it comes to a divorce, so then you are allowed to make conditions. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but technically you are allowed to make conditions. You could say, I am marrying you on the condition that you jump up and down a hundred times and you are not married until uh, she jumps up and down a hundred times or whatever the condition is. Um, and the same thing is true when it comes to a divorce. However, when it comes to chalitza, there is a dispute here. If uh, a person makes it on condition and they do not fulfill the condition, does that work or does that not work? And so Rebbe is of the opinion that it there is no concept of making a chalitza on condition. Chalitza is different than a regular engagement or regular uh, divorce. You cannot make it on condition, which means as follows. If you cannot make it on condition, this has to be clarified, what this means then is that the condition is like it doesn't exist, which means the chalitza does work. If you say chalitza on the condition that uh, she gives me $100, uh, so then we say that the, the condition is like it doesn't exist, and the chalitza does in fact work, even though she did not give him $100. And so therefore, Rabbi says the chalitza works. Since the chalitza completely works 100%, so then you cannot do maimer afterwards, there is no longer any zika whatsoever. However, the majority, the rabbanon, they are of the opinion that yesh tnaibe chalitza, that you could make uh, you can make a stipulation to say that the chalitza only works on a certain condition, and if that condition is not met, so then the chalitza does not take place. And therefore, in such a case, the chalitza doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, so then you could go ahead and do mimer. You could do mimer based on the zika, because there's still zika there, because the chalitza didn't work. In the end of the day, the way we follow, we follow the position, like Rebbe, that ain tznai be chalitza, that there is no concept of making a tznai, making condition by chalitza, which is very different than by a regular engagement or by a divorce. And the question is why? The question is why? And this relates to an issue in general 
about when are you allowed to make a stipulation on something or when are you not allowed to make a stipulation on something. So for example, am I allowed to, in a different context, am I allowed to put on tefillin and say, I am only fulfilling the mitzvah of tefillin on the condition that I then uh, eat breakfast or whatever it is, any condition. Do I fulfill the mitzvah of tefillin if I do not fulfill the condition? So the answer is certainly, yes, I do fulfill the mitzvah of tefillin even if I do not uh, fulfill the condition. Um, Why? Why is this? So the classic understanding is that I can only make a condition on something that I am in control of. I am in control. I I have the ability to make the decisions with regards to who I marry, with regards to whether I get divorced, so I can make it on a condition. However, the mitzvah of putting on tefillin is a mitzvah which I did not create. I am not in control of that, and so therefore I cannot create certain stipulations. And similarly, when it comes to chalitza, chalitza, I was put in the situation of zika. The Torah said, in this situation, you either have to do yibum or chalitza. I am not the one who is in control. I'm not the one who created this situation. And so therefore we follow the, the position that says you cannot make it on a condition. It's very different than a marriage and a divorce. Where you are the one who's in, you you are the one who decided to get married or or to get divorced, and so therefore you could make it based on a condition that it's dependent on a condition. Similarly, the Gemara explains elsewhere uh, that the same thing is true with regards to whether or not a person could appoint a messenger to fulfill whatever it is. A person technically could appoint a messenger to fulfill the mitzvah of getting engaged. Uh, or of a divorce. It might not be so romantic to get engaged based on a, through a messenger, but technically it would work because you are in control, and so therefore you could appoint a messenger to fulfill that for you. However, a person can't say, you know what, I don't want to put on tefillin today. You go ahead, you'll be my messenger to put on tefillin. That doesn't work because you are not in control. You're not the one who's in control. And similarly with chalitza, you cannot appoint a messenger to do chalitza for you because you are not the bailim, you are not the one who's in control, who's creating this situation. Very fascinating idea. Okay, now let's move on to answer number six. Ravina Amar. Ravina says, as follows, He says, you know what, everybody agrees that there is, you could make conditions by chalitza. That really, you could make conditions by chalitza. He disagrees with the previous answer. What are they arguing about here? Is that within the position that says you can make conditions, there's a concept that the conditions, according to Torah law, has to be said in a very specific way. They have to be said, in general, uh, in both the positive and the negative. That if you do X, so then Y will happen. If you do not do X, then Y will not happen. They have to say both the positive and the negative. So, And so this last position says... That with regards to chalitza, even if we require a condition, there's a dispute between Rebbe and the Rabbanon. Do we require this specific type of a stipulation where it is both in the positive and in the negative, this double stipulation? And so Rebbe holds that we do need it. Uh, we do require this double stipulation. Um, and the Rabbanon hold that we do not require the double stipulation. This uh, to say it in both the positive and and the negative. And what happens in a case where you did not make the double, where you did not say it in both the positive and the negative? So Rebbe will say, since you didn't do it in both the positive and the negative, um, and we do require it, so then it's as if the stipulation doesn't exist. And you did a chalitza. And then you did a chalitza. It's like the condition doesn't, it falls away, 
even if the condition's not met, it doesn't make a difference. The condition didn't never really existed because you didn't formulate it properly uh, in the correct way, and so therefore the chalitza takes place. You cannot then go ahead and do mimer after that. Uh, the Rabbanan, the majority, hold that no, we do not require this double stipulation. So if you didn't make it, so then the condition still exists. If you didn't fulfill the condition, then chalitza did not take place. Okay, those are the all the six. Uh, we discussed three of the answers. The last three answers were the last three explanations of this dispute just now, and we discussed in the last recording the first three explanations. The Gemara now, and really for the rest of the parak, for the rest of the chapter, which is on this page. It uh, discusses a, very, a few small points about different aspects of the mission that we started off with uh, many days ago, uh, many weeks ago, a few weeks ago. Um, and we are going to con- conclude this chapter uh, this week. And then we're starting a very fascinating, interesting chapter with chapter 6. So let's continue on in the Gemara. The Gemara is commenting on different lines from the Mishnah. The first line that it's commenting on. The Mishnah discussed the following case. Let's say you just have Ruvain and Rachel. And you did chalitza first, and then after you do chalitza, everything's done, as we pointed out, everything's done. So then the, the Mishnah says, what happens if after chalitza you did maimer, or after chalitza you gave a get, or after chalitza you did yibam? And the, the halacha is that doesn't make a difference. After you do chalitza, nothing else exists. And the same thing is true, the Mishnah says, if you do yibam first, anything you do after yibam also is mean it doesn't 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 register. You did yibam. Anything that takes place after that is meaningless. So the Gemara says, The Mishnah says, has a line that says, After you chalitza, nothing else matters. How come it didn't say, After you do yibam, nothing else matters? The, the same thing is true. So why don't they have that line? So the Gemara says, No. Abai, two answers. Abai Rama, Dhamma, Tervayu, Tani, Abai and Rava, answer number one, is that it's true. Uh, really, you should change the language of the Mishnah and you should really say, You should have that those words in there. In fact, instead of chalitza, Put that in there because it's uh, once you know one, you know the other. And it should say that after you do Yibam, uh, there's no validity to anything that takes place after that. Answer number two is that no. Vitanadidan, our Mishnah, why doesn't it mention Yibam? Because Hatarta because they're trying to teach you an, uh, the extra novelty, which is that after you do Chalitza, you are allowed to go ahead and marry whoever you want. Uh, from the outside. Once you do chalitza, everything is done. We, we knew that yibam, once you do yibam, you're married. But we didn't know that once you do chalitza, everything's done. And so that's why the Mishnah focuses specifically on that. Next line of the, of the Mishnah that the Gemara discusses. The Gemara says, the Mishnah says, sorry, echad yibama, achas echad shtei They discussed all these different scenarios where you do, mimer, let's say the case is now where you have Ruvain, and then there's two sisters-in-law, Rachel and Leah. And Ruvain does gives a get to one, and then does gives a get to the other one, or gives a get to one and does mimer to the other one. Um, and the Mishnah says that the thing, it's true in both directions, whether it's Ruvain doing one, let's say doing mimer to Rachel, and then doing mimer to Leah, or you have two brothers, Ruvain and Shimon, and one sister-in-law and Rachel, Ruvain does something, does mimer to Rachel, and then Shimon also does mimer with Rachel. That's what the Mishnah says. So the Gemara just comments and says, Ma'asei zin deloka ben Azai, the Mishnah is not like Ben Azai. Ben Azai splits between these two cases. The Tanya, we had this earlier. The Bryce says, Ben Azai, Omer, Yej maimer acha maimer bishnei yivmen v'yavam ha'achas, ve'ein maimer acha maimer bishnei yivamos v'yavam echad. Ben Azai is of the opinion that if in a case where we have Reuven and Shimon, are the two brothers and just Rachel, so when Reuven does maimer and then Shimon does maimer, so then Shimon's maimer is does does mean something. It, it, it has halachic 
validity. However, if it's the other way around, if it's just one Ruvain, but there's Rachel and Leah, so then if Ruvain does Maimar with Rachel, so then to do Maimar with Leah, that would have no validity whatsoever. Okay, so that's the point of the Gemara there, and the Gemara continues on to a new case in the Mishnah. The next case in the Mishnah is Ketzad Maimar Luzu. Essentially, Ruvain is... The brother-in-law, there's Rachel, and there is Leah. So Reuven goes ahead and he does mimer with Rachel. He does mimer with Rachel. This this form of the rabbinic form of yibum, it's an engagement. And then the Mishnah says, then when he wants to do chalitza, he does chalitza with Leah. He should do chalitza with Leah. So the Gemara says, this should fit with Shmuel. Why? If he wants to go ahead and do chalitza now, Shmuel is of the opinion. If you already did mimer to Rachel, you should not do chalitza with Rachel. Because if you do chalitza with Rachel, in general, we say if you do chalitza with one co-wife, it exempts all the co-wives. But Shmuel is of the opinion that if you already did Mimer with Rachel, so now the, to do chalitza with her will not exempt Leah. Why? Because once you do Mimer with Rachel, we also require you, if you want to if you want to separate, not just chalitza, but also to give a get, to give a divorce document. And once we also require a divorce document, so then that shows us that the chalitza is really a bit weaker because it doesn't work on its own. With Leah, just Chalitza would work because you never did anything with Leah. But since you did Maimer with Rachel, so then to uh, do Chalitza with Rachel wouldn't be sufficient. You would also have to give a get, a divorce document. So because it's weaker, it doesn't work as well, it won't help to exempt Leah. That is the position of Shmuel. So if that's the case, uh, so then that then our mission makes sense because if you did Maimer with Rachel, so they're telling you, do Chalitza with Leah. That's what the Mishnah is telling us. So this should prove to us, Shmuel, Utiyifta de Rav Yosef, and this should reject Rav Yosef. What does Rav Yosef say? Rav Yosef happened to say that if you're going to give a get anyways to the one that you're doing Mimer to, to Rachel, you have to give a get. So by giving her a get, you're, going, you're prohibiting her from marrying a Kohen. So don't do Chalitza to Leah, because that's now going to prohibit Leah to a Kohen. And that's just, that's just a waste. Why, 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 why prohibit both Rachel and Leah to a coin? Just once Rachel's having a get, because she, you did mimer with her, so then do chalitza with her, and you don't have to do chalitza to Leah. So this should reject your Yosef, because the Mishnah is saying you did chalitza with Leah. So the Gemara answers, Mikitani chalitz, chalitz katani diyavid. There's no proof to any of this. The point of the Mishnah is not that you, 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 the halacha tells us to do chalitza with Leah. That's not the point of the Mishnah. The Mishnah is giving a case. You did Maimar with Rachel, and you happen to do chalitza with Leah. Not that you are supposed to do chalitza with Leah. No, that's not the point of the Mishnah. It's just you happen to do chalitza with Leah. Okay, next case of the Mishnah. We'll go through a few more cases of the Mishnah, and we'll go a bit beyond the 20-minute mark uh, because uh, we'll probably have three recordings for this week. The next case of the Mishnah, get lazu get lazu. So the case is you have Reuven, and he gives a get to Rachel, and then he gives a get to uh, to Leah. And the law is that we have to do chalitza; uh, they require chalitza from him. That's that's what the mission says. They need chalitza. So the Gemara first thing, if a person gives a get, uh, Reuven gives a get to Rachel and gives a get to Leah. So in that scenario, that's for Rav Huna, that is referred to also as a chalitza psula, where he's of the opinion that because it's it's uh, it's an insufficient chalitza, because you cannot do even with either one, 
so therefore we have to do chalitza to both. He says you would have to do chalitza to both of them, to both Rachel and Talaya. So this should prove our point because the Mishnah says that they, it says in the plural, that they both seemingly, they both need chalitza. This should prove his point. So the Gemara says, no, my trichus, when it says that they require in the plural, what does it mean they require? It just means trichus da alma. It just means that they in the general, not only one one of the two need chalitza, but it's just saying they in this situation, if it comes up at any point in time, so then they in the plural, because this could be referring to whenever it comes up. So whenever it comes up, they need chalitza in the sense that one of them needs chalitza whenever it comes up, but not that they both need chalitza. Okay, let's continue on with a few more cases. The next case in the Mishnah is, let's say, get lezu v'chalitz lezu. Ruvain gives a get to Rachel, and then he does chalitza with, uh, with Leah. So here too, the Gemara assumes at the beginning that the Mishnah is telling us the halach is that you should do chalitza with Leah. And that's why the Gemara has the same exact back and forth as we had earlier. This should prove Shmuel's point. What did Shmuel say? He said, since you already gave a get to uh, Rachel, so the chalitza that you do afterwards would be a weaker chalitza than if you did a chalitza with Leah, because you gave a get, and now the chalitza is not working as strongly. The chalitza is not separating as much because you already gave a get. So Shmuel says, you should do chalitza with Leah. That will exempt Rachel. But if you did a chalitza with Rachel, that will not exempt Leah, and this is a rejection of Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef would hold that if you gave a get to Rachel, so then do chalitza to Rachel, so that Leah now is allowed to marry a Kohen. So the Gemara answers the same answer that we answered before. Mikatani cholit, chalitz chalitani diava. The Gemara answers that we are not saying that you should do chalitza to Leah. That's not the point of the mission to say that you should do chalitza to Leah. No. Maybe you should do chalitza to Rachel. The point of the Mishnah is just to say, this is what happened. This is the case. Not that it's the right thing to do necessarily, but this is the case was that he, Reuven gave a get to Rachel and then did chalitza with Leah. But not that you should be doing chalitza with Leah. It's true, according to Shmuel, you should be, but that doesn't mean that that's what the Mishnah is saying. Last case for this recording. Chalat, the chalat, o chalat. It's going to be a similar idea that we had uh, earlier. Um, essentially, the case here, earlier we had where Reuven, it was just Reuven and Rachel, just the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law, and the Mishnah described if you do chalitza, so then anything that you do afterwards doesn't have any halachic validity. So now the, Gemara, the Mishnah continues on and says, similarly, in a case where, let's say you have Reuven and Rachel and Leah, and you do chalitza with Rachel, uh, so then anything you do with Leah also doesn't have any significance, halachic significance, because once you do chalitza, you're done. Nothing else, uh, you, you've, you've severed the relationship, and everything else is uh, mean, is meaningless. And the same thing is true with Yibam. If you do Yibam with Rachel, anything you do afterwards is also meaningless. You've completed the Zika, you've completed the Yibam, anything that takes place afterwards doesn't mean anything. So the Gemara asks the same question. The Mishnah says, after you do Chalitza, everything else is, doesn't have halachic significance. So why doesn't the Mishnah say, after you do Yibam, there's no halachic significance to anything that you do afterwards, whether you give a get or mime or anything. It has no halachic significance. You already did Yibam. So the Gemara answers the same two answers. Answer number one is, Abayi and Rav say, you know what? The Mishnah really should have said that after you do Yibam, nothing else matters. That's what the Mishnah really should have said. The Gemara says, answer number two, our Mishnah, why does it actually say only chalitza, not yibam? Because hatarta yivama l'shuk adifalei. 
that it's better for the Mishta to describe what happens through Chalitza, because by Yibam I already understand, once you're married, you're married. But by Chalitza, by breaking the relationship, the point of the Mishnah is to teach us that once you do Chalitza, so now she's allowed to, the sister-in-law is now allowed to go ahead and marry whoever she wants. The, the, the Zika, this bond was broken completely, and now she can marry whoever she wants. And that's the point of the Mishnah, to highlight and to focus on Chalitza as opposed to Yibam. Abayin Rav say, no, we should focus on Yibam as opposed to Chalitza. Okay, these are just different uh, small comments that the Gemara is making on different points of the Mishnah, and we'll continue this with the next recording. And hopefully by the last recording, we will begin the new parak, the new chapter.